Hello, I'm John Brown, Chairman of Beyond Net Zero, and this is Net Zero and Beyond. In this series, we look at how the world can get to net zero and the pioneers hoping to make it happen. Each episode looks at a different part of society and a different solution. And to start the series today, I want to look at wine. It might seem like an unusual place to start, but the wine industry is a microcosm of the impact that climate change is having on traditional industries and the uncertain future it is creating. Night Timber's been, been planted since 1988, and 2012 was the first year where we said there's no way we can make wine. It's now a matter of fact that farmers are having to rethink how they grow traditional crops or whether they continue to grow them at all. Farmers have been hit hard due to the excessive heat. Crops are having a shorter lifespan. The weather has impacted not just grape growing in England, France, in, in Europe, um, but also other crops as well. Under the Paris Climate Agreement, countries agreed a goal of holding the increase in global temperatures to well below two degrees. And at two degrees, one half wine growing regions would be destroyed and changing temperatures have also meant changing tastes. Since 2000, the average alcohol content of Bordeaux red wine has gone from 12.5% to 13.5% as rising temperatures mean more sugars and more alcohol. In that respect, the wine industry is already beyond the point of change. Where wine is produced and how it tastes will continue to fluctuate. But that bigger, existential question about what the future holds very much looms large. To help answer that, and with luck provide some hope, I'm joined by the UK's foremost wine critic and expert, Jancis Robinson. Hi, hi. Good morning, Jancis. Thank you so much for doing this. Not at all. It's not live, I take it. No, no, no. No, no. We're going to over-record. I, I remember when I was uh, a long time ago living in California for quite a long time, in the 70s, how I had the impression that California wine was relatively easy to drink, fairly low alcohol, including uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Today, a table wine Cabernet Sauvignon you do have to be fairly careful about how much you drink. The alcohol content is super high. I mean, I think some of it goes up to 16 to 17%, which is too yeah. much, probably. Do you put this all down to climate change, or is it uh, taste, or what? what's going on here, do you think? There was a move in the 90s and the early years of this century where consumers were looking for big bold wines and so producers delivered them or did their best to deliver them but I think at least since 2005 say the it, it's down to climate change that the increase in alcohol levels yeah we're just at that point where climate change is making really worrying effects on production and if it at the moment, it's at a good point in many regions where the grapes are getting ripe enough. But um, somewhere like Chateauneuf-du-Pape, for instance, where it, summers are very, very hot, producers are really worried about just how uh, strong how their wines are and how strong the effects of climate change are on that. So I, I would have thought within 
10 years, if it carries on and we can't stop climate change, then there'll be whole regions that are seriously prejudiced in terms of producing good quality wine. And some which will open up? Yeah, I mean, I would never have thought that there would be uh, vineyards in Norway, which there are, successfully making very palatable wine. Ditto Sweden, Denmark, you know, now Holland and Belgium have had decent wine industries for really quite a long time. So the wine production is moving towards the poles. So I think uh, the question then is, is there anything to be done? Sounds like uh, the way to do this, obviously, is to move with the climate. So as it gets warmer, go north. Is that right? You say that, but of course, if your family has been farming a chateau in Bordeaux for seven generations, as many of them have, it's jolly difficult just to up sticks and um, say, okay, let's plant a vineyard in in Luxembourg, say. And also vines take probably about 10 years before they really come on stream with good quality. So you you can't just say, okay, everyone should, should move further away from the equator. What they are trying to do is switch to grape varieties that are better adapted to hot climates. The move to organic is often accompanied by grapes ripening earlier and at low, getting all the flavor without as much alcohol. So that's been a good move too. There are various techniques you can use to try to reduce alcohol, but it's gonna, you know, they're gonna run out of them eventually, I fear. This is more generally about agriculture, isn't it? It's a lot yeah. of changes are taking place. My guess is because grapes are so sensitive that uh, maybe the viniculture may be ahead of a lot of parts of agriculture. Yes, I think that's true. And also because wine comes in so many different varieties and styles and colours, and we're kind of aware of them, whereas um, most other crops are sort of further further back in the chain, aren't they? We, we don't, we're not as aware of how a barley is, is varying from one season to the next, but a wine bottle we we you know wine is one of the very few things we buy that you just look at the package and you can tell when it was made where it was made who made it and and what from so wine of course is uh, the content of some very large amount of packaging and a consequence of a a lot of travel it, it's a bit like everything when you eat something today you probably need to think a bit more deeply about what it is you're actually doing So in the case of wine, we're doing a lot more than just consuming the contents of the bottle. Even if the alcohol content's gone up, maybe we'll consume slightly less of the bottle, but nonetheless, the bottle's there. So what actually are we doing here? There are several aspects to the the, uh, consumer's relationship with wine and how they can help mitigate the effects of, of climate change. And when... The, the whole life cycle of wine has been examined by those looking at, at carbon emissions. Slightly to, I think, the wine world's um, surprise, the two biggest emitters of carbon in, in the whole wine life cycle are actually not the vineyard or the winery, but overall, the, the two biggest problems are packaging, particularly glass bottles, because they uh, use up 
huge amounts at the moment of fossil fuels to, to, for production and transport. And so I, I'm very, very keen to try to educate people about wine packaging. I would think that based on everything that we see here, wine included, that labelling with a, with a greenhouse gas content uh, would be something in the future. And people will say, well, tell me about it. It's a bit like all the ingredients you now see. People say, well, we don't want, you know, 200 varieties of chemicals in our whatever it is. We just don't mm. want that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, most wine is drunk within days, if not hours, of purchase. And the point of glass bottles is to is it that it's a nice neutral um, material that doesn't affect the wine itself and if you're keeping a, a fine wine for decades that's important if you're keeping it for a couple of days till you go on a picnic really bottles are pointless you could drink out of a can you could drink out of a pouch so I don't think the consumers realize that inexpensive wine for early consumption doesn't actually have to come in a glass bottle. And another really important point is that a lot of wine marketeers think that putting wine in a heavy bottle will sort of add value to it, will make the consumer think the wine must be better. But of course, they're dramatically increasing the carbon emissions associated with both producing and transporting that bottle. And I think some in Argentina are actually shipping in bottles, empty bottles, from producers in Europe, and then shipping the wine back to, to Europe, which seems absolutely criminal to me. This, this I think, uh, brings to the clear point both two big themes. One is that uh, the growing of grapes, uh, viniculture, is a leading indicator of what's happening to a lot of agriculture, and uh, the place in which you can produce things which you really want uh, and produce a great wine of great taste are certainly changing and migrating. And it's an example of migration of crops, which will create, of course, in the long term, a migration of people. Secondly, on a wider issue, uh, I think it's very important. It, it, we look now at a product not just because it tastes great and it looks great, but because we think about what it took to make it. Uh, and I think that objective is a very different objective than we had in the past. We, we didn't worry about that. Now people should worry about the amount of greenhouse gases included in not just the fermentation and the collection and fermentation of grapes, but in the packaging, uh, why do we need heavy, big bottles? And how do we get it from A to B? All of that is very important. And there are solutions to some of that, as we've discussed. Uh, and we should hope that those solutions are included and people are aware of that as they buy something that we all hope that they can enjoy for the future. Francis, thank you very much indeed for being with us. Thank you. Thank you.